I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I'm offering up, as I do each day, a safe space for you independent thinkers out there. I was looking at my notes right before I'm coming on air. Uh, I've got too many, so we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, quotes of the day today. I've got a couple from the great Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell said, quote, When you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I, I think I have an unblemished record of not helping myself uh, I believe I'm not, I'm telling you people what they need to hear, uh, even though it may be resisted. Uh, anyway, Thomas Sowell also said this, quote, It's amazing how much panic one honest man can spread among a multitude of hypocrites. It's amazing how much panic one honest man can spread among a multitude of hypocrites. That's a little bit of a thinker. I'll just let that one sit with you for a minute. I ran across another quote that I thought was kind of funny. Have you ever heard of this guy? His name is James Iredell, I-R-E-D-E-L-L. There's a picture of him with this quote, and he's got a, you know, he's got the powdered wig on with the little ponytail. You know, we make a lot of fun of the soy boys these days and the man buns and stuff like that. But, you know, our founding fathers had the little tail there, didn't they? But anyway, this guy's in a powdered wig, so I'm assuming uh, he was something around the founding of this nation. But uh, James Iredell has a quote here, and I'm going to show you why you've never heard of him. (laughs) His quote is, quote, The people will resist if the government usurp powers not delegated to it. (laughs) Uh, He could say the people should resist, uh, but his... His prognostication that the people would resist if the government usurped powers not delegated to it... mm, He didn't know much about human nature. He certainly uh, could not have envisioned 20th century America where we, like lambs to the slaughter, have followed this government uh, no matter what powers they usurp. Most of the time, you know, really, and this is one of the things in the liberty movement of which I, I guess, am a part or I appreciate this liberty movement. One thing we struggle to realize is that most people really don't want to be free. That makes this, I guess, kind of a niche show. They they say they want to be free. They talk about freedom, but they don't really want to be free. And I'll probably expound on that. I have a show lined up uh, that we'll talk. We'll talk really about the police state in the country right now. And I would say probably the vast majority of people, even that might listen to that show, would disagree with me on some of it. But anyway, uh, I got to give some credit to. I pile on Jim Cramer. 
uh, the stock picker on CNBC. And I'll say it again. I've never been a fan of the guy. I'm not a fan of CNBC. Yeah, understand, you can watch the markets, and, and there's some interesting commentary from certain people on CNBC, but understand that CNBC is a corporation. It's part of uh, NBC. Most of the people they bring on are talking their book, meaning that they are actually promoting. You know, They're telling you positions they took so that maybe you'll take those positions, and the more of you that buy their stocks, their things will go up. I mean, CNBC is... It's out for CNBC. Uh, Jim Cramer is uh, famous on this show particularly, and there are actually a lot of people that pointed out the horrific stock picks that he makes for his adoring fans. He's got a lot of bells and whistles and jump cuts in his show, so that's right for uh, the younger generation who's followed him to massive losses in some things. But i got to give him credit for one. He's about 1 in 40 now. He put out a tweet on the, uh, this was at the end of January, to buy Meta, and Meta soared yesterday. In the past six months, uh, Meta is up 113.8%. This is Facebook. So Jim Cramer got one right. I'm just trying to be fair here, of course. Then I ran across this one (laughs) Uh, just, just a few weeks ago on March 10th. Jim Cramer said, FRC, that is First Republic Bank, is new focus, dot, 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 very good bank. This is Jim Cramer. Uh, it is now down 93%. <laughs> so, see, I'm trying to be fair. He got one right. Facebook, it's interesting. You know, they are, I think they're essentially shutting down the metaverse. I don't know if it's going to keep going. They're laying people. I mean, a huge swing and a miss. And I couldn't be happier. I kind of warned about this. I'll be honest with you. I thought this was going to be one, and I don't think it'll be the last attempt at it. When you make life tough for people in the real world, they will seek alternative worlds. And I'm very scared that children and and even adults would go and retreat into this world where you can be anything you want to be. You can be wealthy. You can hobnob with celebrities, this kind of thing. It feels very attractive to the kind of infantile, infantilized mind of the Americans, but it's failed. I think it's because of the graphics. The graphics were cartoonish. But when they come out with a more real world, when they we, we're seeing what they're able to do with graphics and deep fakes and those things now, when they come up with a more real, immersive world, I'll, I'll raise the alarms again. I think it'll be uh, popular, but uh, Metaverse has died on the vine. I wanted you to check this out, though. This will go kind of with quotes of the day. This is very encouraging. Look, I've been making a pretty unpopular argument that you should be working with the sane people on the left. Uh, Since the day I came on air, I do not subscribe to the right versus left battle. I subscribe to the 99.9 versus the 0.1%. The oligarchs running the show, the power structure. I'm a true populist here on this show. Not always popular. Conservative talk radio is largely about tribalism. Our team is great. The other team sucks. Uh, That resonates with people. But I've been telling you, and up to and including yesterday, I talked about this. Not every Democrat is insane, and you should be looking to find common ground, not disinvite them from Thanksgiving dinner because they don't like your guy. And even on culture issues, because I just ran across this. Check this out. This is Kevin Bass. His, uh, this was a tweet he put out. Kevin Bass, Ph.D. 
He said, I am a liberal atheist, parentheses, voted for Biden, close parentheses. Trust me, I don't understand that either, but he probably just hated Trump. A lot of people did. But, but listen to this. He says, I'm a liberal atheist, voted for Biden, but the woke left has me so disturbed about the future of children in this country that I think I'm going to start taking my children to church to help inoculate them against this. What should I, be, what should I look for in choosing a church? See, there's a lot of people that are not insane. They're not down with this stuff. They are not down with the wokeness. And there are tens of millions of these kinds of people out here. These are the people that I speak to fairly regularly. It's just that the perverse incentives of social media engagement will highlight the crazies. Normal people on the left will not be shared on conservative Twitter like the screeching insane activists are. So I'm just telling you, they are out there, and I just believe we just don't have a chance against this system, this onslaught of corporate control and this top-down government that we have if it's only uh, half of us trying to take on the fight. Very interesting. I have a couple other things. I may come back talk briefly about the the debt ceiling stuff. Uh, to be honest with you, it's it's almost boring to me. We, we know what's going to happen. They're, they're going to pass a, a debt ceiling raise. The numbers, and I, I didn't clip this story, and I should have, Uh, David Stockman has put out a piece where he actually goes through the nuts and bolts over what the Republicans are claiming, and they do curtail some spending. I will say, when it comes to spending, uh, the Republicans are slightly better. As I say, uh, you really have a choice in this country when you're voting for national politicians. Well, even here in Mississippi, you can either vote for the Democrats, the Socialists, or you can vote for the Republicans, the Socialist Light. And uh, the Republicans are doing their socialist light stuff. You know, we have a situation in this country right now. On the right, the Republicans, uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis have been trading accusations that the other one, the other one is going to cut Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid. And they're both denying it loudly. These two huge socialist entitlement programs, and yes, Social Security is an entitlement. I've already explained this to you. They stole your money. I know you contributed to it. They stole your money, and you let them. The money that is being paid to Social Security recipients right now is not money that you set aside. It is coming from the people still working. I I know that angers people. I I get it. You want your money back. I do not blame you. The government took it from you against your will in many cases. But we let them steal it. It's not there. But you've got the two front runners for the Republican nomination, both accusing the other one of possibly dismantling or cutting socialist programs. And the both of them are denying it. I'm not going to touch Social Security. I, Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. It's an illegal, immoral Ponzi scheme. And you've got Trump, uh, Ron DeSantis wants to cut your Social Security and cut Medicare and Medicaid, which are true just socialist health care systems. It's getting government into health care, which made the costs explode in the first place. The two top Republicans 
are saying, I'm not going to touch these socialist programs. He's going to touch the socialist programs. No, I'm not going to touch the socialist programs. You're going to touch. I mean, so we know with the debt ceiling, we know what's going to happen. Uh, David Stockman's got a good piece out about it, and it shows, I think that they may be cutting, I think the net number was something like $160 billion. This is out of a 6 or $7 trillion spending package each year what the U.S. spends, $160 billion. I mean, $160 billion is not nothing, but as a percentage of overall spending, it is at best nibbling around the edges, and they want to return to 2019 spending levels. I, th- I think it was, or maybe cap it at 2022, something like that, which was 40% higher than 2017 levels. So they increased the size of government by 40%, and then they increase it by another 4 or 5%. And the Republicans say, we're the fiscally responsible ones. We're going back to just that 40% increase. <laughs> so the debt ceiling is really kind of boring for me. I just covered it. I'm not going to touch it again. I've got an interesting quote and then some, some things that are going on around the world. You know, I have to kind of juggle what I put where. I don't have a whole lot of economic stuff outside of that, but we're going to get to some of the things. Very interesting quote from uh, a high-placed Turkish official. And just remember, Turkey is one of our NATO allies. It's interesting what they had to say. I'll do that when we come back. Did you know that the Japanese had sent a uh, commercial, I guess this was some business, sent a commercial rover to the moon? They were supposed to land on the moon, uh, be there for a few days, I believe, uh, release a rover, you know, do some of their stuff there. Uh, Supposed to land yesterday, apparently it crashed on the moon. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but uh, (laughs) I'm just saying, I mean, it's... You know, we did it so many times before. Is it not a tiny bit odd? We can't seem to do it again. You know, so so they tell us. I'm just saying another failed attempt at a, uh, I'm I'm not celebrating that. I mean, uh, people invested some money in it. There's probably things up there of viable commercial interest. But uh, it's just strange. Just, I'm just saying. (laughs) I, um. I've been watching some of the reactions to Tucker Carlson being removed from Fox News. It turns out that the military is really celebrating Tucker Carlson losing his show. And I find that really kind of fascinating. It's very interesting because I truly wonder how many conservatives out there, how many Republicans, conservatives, regret I mean, actually regret cheering for all the military spending and huge budgets that the military has gotten over the years. I've railed against these things, and that's tough to do on conservative talk radio because we've been taught patriotism is militarism uh, in this country. And I think a lot of people are still under the impression that the strength of our nation is not our freedoms, it's not our Constitution, it is, uh, it's tied to... Uh, the, how much butt we can kick around the world. 
I mean, it's not long ago, just a few years ago, that Trump got huge applause for massive military budget increases. And I suspect he will probably get them again. And I wonder if people will ever learn uh, the military does not like. I mean, Tucker Carlson was wildly popular, and one of his planks that made him so admirable on mainstream media was he was not down with these endless wars. He called them out. Well, the military, which we've empowered with trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, that they can't account for, by the way, they're happy to see uh, Tucker Carlson gone. So remember that next time Roger Wicker comes to a campaign stop and says, he's going to make sure we're going to raise the debt ceiling, but we made sure to secure more military spending. The normies out there will cheer for that again. Military is not your friend. The Pentagon's not your friend, not to mention the wokeness that has overtaken the DOD. But that's really the least of their crimes. And I, want to, I wanted to read this. Check this out. Okay, so Turkey is a NATO member. One of the ways that I've parted from a lot of conservative talk shows hosts, too, is that there's been this kind of weird thing to me, weird, after I put down the Kool-Aid and was no longer a neocon, warmongering Republican for a while. Um, on conservative talk radio, particularly, uh, the, the mantra is, we never apologize. The United States doesn't apologize. And I've always thought that was kind of weird. Well, if you admit that we've gone into countries based on lies, millions of people have died, 500,000 children died as a direct result of U.S. sanctions during the Clinton administration, uh, but you still think America doesn't apologize, that that somehow makes us weak. Well, we don't. I mean, <laughs> we certainly don't apologize. Let me show you where it's getting us. Turkey is a NATO member, an ally a member of that fine, freedom-loving NATO. Here's what the interior minister of Turkey said. Quote, Europe is a mule in America's convoy. Europe can't make a rational judgment on its own behalf. America is losing its reputation. The whole world hates America. U.S. politicians and media live in their own, quote, exceptionalism, unquote, bubble telling each other how America is the greatest. These buffoons can't even imagine a day when the U.S. will be number two or worse and how it needs true friends. All the American allies now are vassals who are bullied and blackmailed into submission, and they will jump ship at the first opportunity, and not to mention the countless enemies that the U.S. has accumulated over the years. That's one of our allies. And I'll tell you right now, I don't disagree with her. Not at all. And that's not anti-American. It's anti-empire. I am definitely anti-empire. I'm, I'm anti all of these uh, wars. That's become a much more popular position over the past few years, so I'm happy to see that. But this is, this is one of our friends. So when you see things like the BRICS nations lining up and these other things, just remember uh, the psychopaths that we have all elected year after year, both parties have brought us to this point. I thought this was kind of interesting. Apparently, yesterday, America got a new potential citizen. Uh, do you remember Juan Guaido? This was the guy that Donald Trump named as president of Venezuela. You remember when, when we just picked their president for him? We just said, uh, Maduro's no good, and Maduro is no good. He's terrible. But boy, if I go down the laundry list of bad leaders around the country, but the... 
the arrogance of the United States and then all of these vassal states that the Turkish interior minister was just talking about, uh, I think like 50 countries, we, we all just got together and said, hey, Venezuela, uh, he's your president, not that guy. We, we didn't even phone in a coup, really. I mean, they tried. They tried, but it failed. Uh, yesterday, Juan Guaido apparently walked off a plane in Miami by himself with just a backpack. A failed coup uh, in Venezuela. Quote, he arrived in Miami on a commercial flight Tuesday morning alone and toting a backpack. Further, quote, he told reporters he feared for his wife and two children who he had said had been threatened and were in danger. So uh, did this coward leave his wife and children behind in Venezuela after a failed coup attempt in that country? Now, Maduro, see, this the... The grayness of this issue will be lost on a lot of people. What, you support that socialist Maduro? Absolutely not. But wouldn't it be nice to see socialism just fail on its own? Because it will, and pretty quickly. We know this. But what the United States did with Venezuela is take a failing system and direct all of the energy that might have been used to oust their government because of their failed policies and instead set, our, set us up to be the enemy. Maduro had a had someone to point to. It's not my socialism that's failing this country. Look, it's the United States and all their vassals there that are sanctioning us and cutting us off from the world oil markets and everything else that's that's killing our economy. And so all the people found a common enemy instead of their own government where they should have been looking to overthrow the socialist control of the country. Instead, they were given the United States as the great Satan. And we tried to pick their government. It, it just There's something very lonely about that that should teach people around the world. Uh, Zelensky may be uh, coming off of a plane at some point, alone and with a backpack. Because what these people don't know is that, you know, I guess we lost interest. It's like, nah. And so he's alone. Nobody's really, you know, his wife and children may be murdered, may be killed. Because we'll just leave you out to hang. Ah, we gave it a shot. We set this guy up. Trump brought him into the State of the Union address and recognized him as the the great brave man of Venezuela who is their new president. And the entire Congress, I've got the clip here, I'm not going to bother to play it, entire Congress stood on their feet and gave standing ovation after standing ovation for this guy we just named as president of another country. And, uh, of course, what's not lost is we weren't fighting for freedom there. That was Trump's uh, speech. We stand with the Venezuelan people in freedom. No, trust me, if Venezuela didn't sit on top of one of the biggest oil reserves in the world, we wouldn't have cared a lick for any of their air quotes here in the studio freedom. We wanted that dirty crude that they've got down there. (laughs) They got a boatload of it. It was like everything else, uh, all all about the oil. When I come back, though, there's a, uh, there's a new policy. The, the Republicans in the House in Washington, D.C. have passed a new policy. They call it one thing. I'll tell you what it will be called uh, if they're successful. We'll do that when we come back. Stay with me. Told you a level of concern. 
episode. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WIAB. I know I can be labeled as a, but you blame America first for everything. I blame who deserves to be blamed. The Soviet Union that rolled up on Eastern European countries and overtook them, that was the Soviet Union's fault. Soviet Union was the evil empire of communism. But when the United States is at fault, I call it out. Look, we can't pick our own leaders. Look what we've got for our own leaders here. You, you trust the people in our government to pick leaders for other countries, too? I don't. And we know there'll be puppets for corporate interest in the first place if we do install somebody. The history has shown that over and over again. But this is a new one. The Republicans in Congress, unfortunately, you know, Democrats are just bloodthirsty warmongers uh, themselves now. But the Republicans' Representative Joe Wilson, he's a Republican of South Carolina, is planning to introduce a resolution in the House that would declare it U.S. policy. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm choking up on this one. Uh, it would declare U.S. policy to seek a Ukrainian victory against Russia, which includes returning all Russian-controlled territory to Kiev, including Crimea. This is co-sponsored by Steve Cohen. He's a Democrat from Tennessee. Committee uh, that's going to be in front of is chaired by Representative Mike McCall. He's a Republican from Texas who's been calling on President Biden to arm Ukraine with longer-range weapons that can launch strikes on Crimea. So what this is, they'll talk about it as being the, the policy of an outright Ukrainian win. Uh, we will come to know it, if they are successful in this, as a World War III. The title that they give this little resolution will be lost to history. It will just be forever return, uh, recalled as World War III. More about that in just a minute. There was an opportunity for some dialogue with Russia to end this war. I'm going to tell you how the United States government uh, reacted in just a second. Uh one thing I wanted to point out that uh, it's kind of it's kind of a side issue, not a lot of people paying attention to it, but I think it's worth uh, suddenly the Sudan is on fire. And Joe Biden just announced uh, to Congress, well, he informed them through a letter citing the War Powers Resolution uh, that he is sending and we already have and he will be sending more U.S. troops uh, to fight and die in the sands of the Sudan. Suddenly the Sudan is on fire. And what I wanted to point out was this. I haven't played this clip in a while, but I've probably, during the course of my show, played it 20 different times. Uh, this was General Wesley Clark on the seven countries thing. So th this idea that Sudan suddenly erupted into a civil war. And then I'm going to give you a timeline real quick uh, that you won't hear anywhere else. Uh, but this is General Wesley Clark uh, after 9-11, within a couple of weeks of 9-11. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but 
we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, he said, I just... He said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. There you go. Sudan was on the list all the time. So this was really kind of inevitable. Of course, they're behind schedule because the government doesn't do anything well, <laughs> evidenced by the fact that the U.S. named president of Venezuela just walked into the Miami airport by himself with just a backpack. Yeah, so Sudan was uh, on this list uh, all the time. Here is, uh, here's a timeline of what's taken place over about the last, I don't know, what this, 10 months, 9 months? August 24th of last year, the U.S. ambassador appointed to Sudan. That was following a 25 years where we didn't have an ambassador in Sudan. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Suddenly, we've got an ambassador there. On September 28th of last year, the U.S. ambassador warns Sudan against finalizing a Russian Navy base deal. And remember, we have 900 military bases around the world, I believe. On November 11th, this train wreck psychopath Antony Blinken, our Secretary of State, urges Sudan to consider, quote, U.S. support for the rapid formation of a civilian-led transitional government. On December 5th, U.N. brokers framework agreement between uh, Sudan's military leaders and leading pro-democracy parties. On December 7th, Blinken threatens a travel ban for Sudanese who endanger the deal that we put together for them. Then on February 12th of this year, Sudan conf uh, uh, confirms a deal for the Russian um, naval base. On February 16th, Biden administration sends $288 million in humanitarian aid to Sudan. Gee, I wonder what that could be used for. Certainly not a civil war. It was humanitarian aid. Let me guess, it was sent through USAID, the known front for the CIA. I should have looked that up. I can't believe I didn't. I'll follow up on that. It's, it's a guarantee. I know what I'm going to find already. On March 9th, Victoria Newland. She, wherever she goes, war and death follows. She visits Sudan to discuss democracy. On April 8th, conflict escalates between Sudanese armed forces under General Bourbon and paramilitary groups, uh, the, the paramilitary group RSF under uh, Dagalo. So you see exactly what's happened here. And then on April 12th, 2023, the U.S. evacuates Sudan. We lit it on fire. This is another coup attempt because they were playing nicey-nice with the Russians. They voluntarily did, did a deal with the Russians to give them a naval base there. But this was always on the cards. Sudan was always in the crosshairs. And we just, uh, I guess, really just got around to it. It didn't work out by, what, 2006, 2007. But in August 24th of 2022, we take the 25-year lapse of us having an ambassador there and we start sending in the, uh, the hitmen into Sudan. And now we are sending our sons and daughters, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, half a world away 
to fight in the war that uh, we started. Be right back. Dark, you can't see the end. Skies cocked back. Shock at which can't defend the rain. Then sense dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. From the top I stop. At the core I forgot it. I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of the idea of World War III. Uh, We've elected a government that's been marching us towards it for decades now. Ever since the fall of the Soviet Union, we talked about this last week or something, we were in the catbird seat, weren't we? We had everything. We had the dollar reserve currency. We were the one lone power in the world. They talked uh, about the peace dividend. Do you remember this? You have to be fairly old. You know, they talked about the peace dividend. Once we stopped this, you know, ramping up military to try to counteract the Soviet empire, uh, we're supposed to save a bunch of money and peace break out around the world. It wasn't eight or nine months later we moved into Iraq. So we had everything we could have possibly wanted uh, back in 1991. And the people that we have elected, many people still to this day continue to support either one of these parties. You know, if I were a wrestler... <laughs> I think my my wrestling name would be the bipartisan basher because both of these parties have done it. They've they've both had their times of control and they have continued to try to build this empire. Uh, But I want you to listen to what the Biden administration is doing right now when it comes to this Ukraine war. This won't make mainstream news. This is on the great Judge Napolitano show on YouTube. He's got a show called Judging Freedom. If you want to know what's actually going on in uh in Ukraine with the war, you're not going to get it from NBC. You're not going to get it from Fox News. Although it doesn't sound like a whole lot of people watching Fox News these days. I shed a tear for Sean Hannity. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Judge Napolitano's got this show, and he's talking to Phil Girardi. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's a former CIA guy, but he's, he's one of the good guys. He, he's an anti-war guy, old guy. No offense, but, I mean, he, he's an elderly guy, uh, and he realizes exactly what the CIA is all about. Uh, I want you to listen to the latest meeting where the Russians and Americans were face-to-face. There's been no attempts at diplomacy, but it's actually even worse than that. Check this out. So yesterday in New York City at the United Nations, the Security Council, which is currently chaired uh, by Russia, and in this case by uh, uh, Russian, the, the Russian foreign minister, minister uh, Sergei Lavrov himself, uh, convened a meeting and said he wanted to talk about ceasefire and peace in Ukraine. Immediately, immediately, the American UN representative, the ambassador to UN, sought recognition and jumped down his throat. Staring him in the eye, she said, our hypocritical convener today, looks right at uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov, invaded its neighbor and struck at the heart of the U.N. Charter. This illegal, unprovoked and unnecessary war runs directly counter to our most shared principles that a war of aggression and territorial conquest is never, ever acceptable. I mean, I mean come on. Holy cow. This is just like the girl's tweet I read yesterday where she said she was mad because she was swiping on Tinder and her boyfriend was on there. She was outraged. 
Can't men be loyal, she says? This is the United States at the U.N. lecturing another country about invading and, and taking over a country. We're, we're knee-deep. How many countries have we, have we done this to? 20? 30? I mean, I don't know if you, if you count all the coups. We, we may be up in the triple digits. But we can send ambassadors, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. It's not just this one. We can send ambassadors to the U.N. to condemn somebody else for daring to invade a country. Basically, we condemn all invasions of all countries unless it's us. That's essentially what it is. And then she uh, and her British and Australian uh, colleagues monopolated the conversation so Lavrov couldn't even begin to talk about what kind of terms would be acceptable for a ceasefire. So there you go. The foreign minister of Russia says, I'd like to discuss a ceasefire. The United States ambassador cuts him off, condemns him, stares him right in the eyes. It, it's got to be very good to, to be really tough with somebody when you're, you're somebody that travels by armored vehicles surrounded by armed agents. And you know, if anything really kicks off, you're just going to send a bunch of normies kids off to fight and die in this war. That must be quite a feeling of, uh, of power. But uh, this Lavrov guy, he wants to discuss a ceasefire. We won't have any, any of it. Won't even talk about it. We'll cut him off. Then they filibuster. And then they... What the hell kind of diplomacy is this? Well, that's zero diplomacy. They also, they walked out of the meeting, too, and, and were encouraging others to do so. It, it's, um, it, this does not serve our national interest, and it does not, does not serve the interest of Ukraine, or Russia, or anyone. And um, I, I'm just astonished at, at how, again, we get back to the same the same kind of page we started on uh, today, which is essentially, I mean, the media has huge responsibility in not reporting these stories in a way that emphasizes just how dangerous they are to the American people and to everybody else. There you go. But of course, the media is not touching this, are they? This is on the heels of it was a year ago, a year ago that uh, Russia and Ukraine had come up with a peace deal. This is a year ago they had a peace deal. Boris Johnson, at the behest, in cooperation with the United States, went over there and said, absolutely not. You will not negotiate with We will not support any ceasefire, any peace deal between Russia and Ukraine. They've sabotaged this at every—now you've got this— the Russian foreign minister saying, hey, we'd like to talk about a ceasefire, and America stops it. Now, before you get the wrong idea and think that it is only the disastrous Biden regime that would do something like this, understand that this is exactly how Nikki Haley, she was Trump's ambassador to the U.N., Mike Pompeo, Trump's secretary of state, this is exactly how they behaved. This is exactly how the Obama foreign policy team behaved belligerence towards russia belligerence towards anybody who wasn't going along with the uh u.s empire ditto for george w bush who really kind of kind of kicked off or i guess his diddy i guess his diddy really kicked off the american invasion obsession with the first iraq war uh w bush put it on steroids and then barack obama dropped more bombs than bush did 
So as I said, I'm the, I'm the bipartisan basher here, but you have got a group of uh, psychopaths here. And, and I'm just I can't let people that the Biden administration is a disaster full of very unimpressive psychopaths, to be honest with you. They're, they're very, very unimpressive, unqualified people, but they are pl- pl- plenty evil. But Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell, Marco Rubio, Lindsey Graham, and Roger Wicker are equally dangerous people right now. I just read to you a minute ago that the Republicans have got a resolution going through Congress right now that our only policy is for a full-on Ukraine win, and that includes getting back Crimea taking away Russia's only warm water port again. The Crimeans, remember, they voted. We're supposed to be lovers of democracy. They voted over 90% to be part of Russia. The people in Crimea are ethnic Russians. The Republicans want to return the borders back to the 1991 borders, meaning post-Cold War. Here's the funny thing. Ukraine's borders have flip-flopped like 14 times in the last 100 years or something. Nobody cares about that real estate. That's just what happens. Borders move. We don't know that here in the United States, but around the world, borders change. So the Biden administration just had an opportunity for a ceasefire. They had an opportunity for a peace deal last year, and they have passed on it. As this thing escalates, as it gets worse, as they start calling up your kids, never, ever, ever forget that. I'll see everybody later. Bye-bye. Oh, you win when it's time to handle